This podcast is brought to you by the Amateurs Fantasy Sports Network. It is Mark here with Ryan, the OG, the original amateur, along with me. No Rob again. Uh, this wedding's gone for a couple of days now, so <laughs> hoping to have him back by round one, but you know, who knows? Yeah, no, who knows, mate? This uh, this lingers longer than a Latrell Mitchell hamstring injury, I reckon. Who knows when he's going to be back? <laughs> exactly right, mate. Um, obviously, today we're doing the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Uh, in, I'm going to call it an interesting team, um, uh, mostly because there's a few sort of positional battles happening or allegedly not actually happening and, and, and sort of things going on. We've got a, a really good uh, guy who, who follows the Rabbitohs really, really closely in the infamous uh, group chat for the, uh, the, the, the amateurs-wide group chat. So he's uh, he's been hitting us with the, the Rabbitohs info, which has been pretty interesting. So, um, yeah, mate, to, time to, to jump in. And and obviously straight off the bat we get Latrell Mitchell, who was one of your uh, – I think you were probably the – I'd say you're the Latrell Mitchell guy out of the, the amateurs, I think is fair to say. Am I? Okay. Uh, I, I mean, I was uh, I was on him at the end of last year when he came back for the head-to-head finals in like round 22 or whenever it was. Um, I mean, mm. you know, he, he, he was all right coming back. Um I mean, Latrell's one of those guys. He's a final team gun. I'm not sure I'd I'm, I'd want to start with him. I think at that price point, I'd probably prefer Kalen Ponga if you're going to go for the uh, the gun gun. Um, but uh, I think if you're going to start with Latrell, you're sort of expecting Souths to be a little bit better than what they were last year, aren't you? Yeah. Well, I mean, I have them. Uh, I have this thing. Uh, I've spoken about it before. I'm in a tipping comp where you have to pick one team to tip every single week and I'm I'm ha- I'm having to exercise some restraint not to pick Souths as my team that I tip every week <laughs> uh, because I I actively curse whichever team I pick so uh, but I don't want to t- curse the Souths so I think uh, I think they're in for a, a good season uh, we've got them projected to finish sixth uh, which I think maybe might even be a bit low so uh, I think it's going to be a, a good year for South, but yeah, as you correctly st- say, uh, Latrell looks to be uh, somebody who's uh, a later team player more than he is a uh, an early guy. Uh, obviously, round twenty onwards, he's uh, he's finished with his buys. So once Origin three is done, you'll be able to jump on and put him in your final team. I think. Mm. Uh, yeah. So Alex Johnson, he's going to play on the left wing. Uh, Campbell Graham's going to play right centre. Uh, that's that's what we know. Uh, we assume that Jack Whiten is going to play left centre and then on the wing we're more than likely actually going to have Tyrone Munro uh, who's actually not listed on our website at the moment and probably uh, somebody that we need to uh, to update and, and have a look at from a fantasy perspective. But, I mean, let's start there with, with Tyrone, Tyrone Munro, assuming he's going to play on that right wing. Uh, the cursed... Rabideau's right wing. Oh, obviously, he was quite uh, impressive in limited matches last year. 
Uh, three tries in three matches. Uh, he did have a try 27, which is, is not great. But from memory, I think that was a rain game. Uh, but I might be going crazy. And then obviously yeah. two tries against the doggies. I think you're right. I think you're right there. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, he uh, he was that infamous. Uh, everyone jumped on in round 19, perfect sort of cheapy winger to cover the buys. And you know, I think people were sort of hoping he'd keep that spot uh, locked out and then come round 20, he's gone, gets one more appearance in round 23 and then, yeah, that's it. So, um, I mean, he's already priced fairly up there, I suppose, 350K, break even at 25. Um, it's certainly doable for a south swinger that you'd assume is going to score tries, um, mm. but it's it's not a slam dunk of uh, you know some of the cheapies, especially with wingers. You never know. Yeah, I, I'm inclined to think that, like, he's been in my team for a while now and I sort of haven't really considered not having him there. Mm-hmm. Um, just mostly because I don't really trust whoever the Raiders' fullback is, whether it's <laughs> yep. Weeks or Chevy Stewart. If it was Xavier Savage, I think I probably would go that way. But the thing is that, you know, they, they could change, like, they could have three fullbacks in the first three games, so... I mean, Munro looks – I mean, I suppose the same could be said about him. But, I mean, Dimitriou seems to be high on Munro. He's obviously getting a full preseason in the, pre-season in the NRL team. You know, he's training with the first and he's, um, you know, he's going to more than likely take that spot, pushing Tane Milne to reserve grade, which is going to be great for everybody involved. Yeah, finally. Should have happened uh, quite a while ago. <laughs> Bloody yeah. Milne. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, Jack Whiten – a.k.a. Jaws, uh, also comes across from the Raiders. Uh, so uh, Jack obviously uh, opens the season suspended thanks to trying to take a chunk out of Tyson Gamble's arm in the closing rounds of last year. Uh, I think he misses round one and two maybe, which is kind of annoying because he uh, that means he's not going to get a center jewel until round seven or something. Um, and And, you know, he obviously is a player who, when he has played center for the couple of limited games, he, he had a 50-plus average, and he's priced in the 30s. So, I mean, he was somebody I was really, really interested in, and I'm still kind of hoping that maybe he finds a way to not be suspended uh, by uh, uh, preseason games and, and stuff, but I guess we'll, we'll find out exactly when he's going to be available at some point between now and when that actually happens. Because uh, yeah, he's uh, he it would have he would have hundred percent been the center that I started with. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's uh, uh, it's the problem with these suspension rules. We were discussing this uh, before we started recording that we we've honestly got no idea how long he's even suspended for. Even uh, the NRL casualty war just says early rounds suspended. Um, who knows how many games he can uh, get off um, in terms of you know claiming rep footy or the you know, coming out of retirement for the uh, uh, Indigenous game, just to use that as a suspension. <laughs> uh, yeah, who knows what happens here. But, yeah, you're right. If um, if he is starting round one, he warrants serious uh, you know, discussion. But if he's not there round one, uh, yeah, you just you can't touch him and he's not even going to be a centre jewel, so which really even eats into his usefulness. Um, yeah, it's, it's mm. just a... Messy situation. It is. Yep, messy is a good word for it. So, um, yeah, 
Uh, I, I suppose that's that's probably all needed. Given we're not going to be able to look at him until he gets his centre jewel. I don't think, um, or you know, some other sort of shenanigans there. Now, Campbell Graham's the other one. Obviously, he started the season really, really strong, and then picked up that sternum injury, and he was basically like not training and then just suiting up, uh, which is obviously not what you're looking for. Um, so coming out of the blocks last year, 66, 20, 66, 34, 58, 78, uh, and then 36, 28, 74. So the opening nine rounds there, he was really, really strong and then kind of, you know, he, he, he was still fine. Like he scored another 60 there. There's a, a bunch of 40s. But, you know, he, were, he you know just loose numbers up. From, I think from memory he was in the averaging in the 50s uh, in that opening nine rounds. I'm going to do some sums while we – well, I let you talk, Ryan, but <laughs> I mean, given the shortage of options at centre, given that we know that he started really well before he got injured, South's team should be better. Uh, you know, is Campbell Graham an option in the preseason, or is it just that, you know, that 600K mark is just a little bit too high for a centre and, you know, maybe some worries about Jack White and stealing some of the attack as well? Yeah, well, I mean, look, it's it's always the issue when you're looking for a premium center. Um, a lot of people just avoid to uh, prefer to just steer clear of that price point uh, when it comes to centers. Like just looking at his stats from last year, like trying to figure out where those points went on the back end of the year, and it seems like a lot of it was errors. Um, you know, for the first ten rounds, uh, Campbell Graham had a total of six errors, and then from round eleven onwards, he had. 6, 10, 15 errors, um, wow. which is kind of crazy. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 games. So 15 errors in 11 games to finish the year after having six in the first 10, which is, mm. yeah, kind of crazy. Um, seems like the run meters went down there as well, and maybe that was just to do with uh, South's play sort of falling off towards the end of the year compared to the start of the year. So um, I, th- I think his prospects probably depend on your outlook for South Sydney, if you think they can bounce back this year, um, then, yeah, there probably is value in Campbell, especially since he was carrying that sternum injury for a good part of uh, 2023. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, just having a look at him, so in his first nine games, he averaged 51 point something. Hmm. So uh, as opposed to the the back half of the year where it was under 40. So there was a 12-point shift between the first nine games and then the, and then the last 12. So there definitely could potentially be, you know, the the option there for him to come out of the blocks hot. But, I mean, at that 609Ks, it is a lot of money to spend uh, early on a centre. And obviously we had our episode where we did, a, a you know, an episode with uh, the 2021 winner, Shane. Uh, his sort of number one piece of advice that he said that he would give to people is don't spend money in the centres. Uh, and he, he won the game. So a couple of years ago now, but the, um, yeah, I think it's good, good wisdom. And obviously I'm going to be desperately looking for people cheap to put into my centers as well. So, yeah, I think the only exception to that rule is when you've got like a John Bateman or a, a Britain decor or something like that, but yeah, yeah, spending money on an actual center is probably, yeah, probably not. A wise Absolutely. Thing yeah. And even Nicara, he started the season that year at 250 K. So yeah, true. Yeah. But Bateman was 550 or something like that. But, I mean, you know, you've got to have a – it's the one in a million, you know, guy. Uh, you know, you get a – like last year you get a Lemuelu or something like that that punches out a 40 average for you at 370K or something like that. That's, that's all you can really ask in the centres. So, 
moving to the halves, uh, familiar-looking halves pairing of uh, Cody Walker and Lachlan Ilias, uh, assuming no fantasy relevance there. Moving into the pack, uh, apparently... Okay, so this is where we move into the... Um, the the Jason Demetrio, you know, South's insider type stuff. So uh, apparently, so with, there's been some discussion about Talis Duncan playing on the edge, but the uh, the word out of everybody in the know at the Rabbitohs is that Talis Duncan hasn't spent one minute of preseason training on the edge. So uh, I think that discussion actually probably needs to go in the bin. And uh, there's been a you know, a bit of chat about uh, Cameron Murray actually spending some time out of the edge to conserve him, but allow him to be on the field. Uh, and then it's basically going to be, you know, one of like host or Cheekam or someone like that playing the minutes that Murray doesn't play on the right edge with Colin Matungi actually playing on the left. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't shock me. Um, we've, seen uh, Souths trot out that sort of 50-minute edge back row before. So seeing, you know, a lot of the times it was Jai Arrow shifting out there. So to have Cam shifting out mm. there, it's, I mean, it's basically the South Sydney game plan just with a different guy doing it now. Um, so, yeah, uh, it, it seems fairly plausible um, if they just want to use Jai Arrow mm. as just an up-and-down edge and have Cam Murray, who's probably a bit more of a dynamic player who can fit into that edge role a little bit easier than someone like Jai Arrow can. Um, uh, it, it, it would seem to make sense to me, and especially if that means you can keep Cam Murray out there for 70, maybe even 80 minutes um, by sticking him on the edge for 20 to 30. It seems to make sense to me. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, like, they've got middles there who can do the job. They've got Moali, they've got Kepi, they've got Shaq Mitchell, Saliva Havili. All these guys can play in the middle. Um, you know, and they can get those minutes. It may, it may even be that it's Jai Arrow 70 minutes out or 65 minutes out on that edge and, and they, you know, they look to start Burgess and just run those uh, those guys, which would be good for another guy who we're going to talk about, Intervita Totola, who I think the news that Murray's going to be spending some time on the edge probably gives me a tickle more confidence in Totola, even though it was already sort of feeling pretty good about him. Uh, priced at 485K, which is a 35 break even. Uh, he is one of those ones that seems to have at least five points, but maybe, you know, up to 10 plus uh, pending the exact amount of minutes that he plays. Yeah, I mean, his PPM was down last year, but he had such a disrupted season with injury. Um, I, I think you can make the case fairly comfortably that he can uh, push up to more of what we've come to expect from him in the past. Like typically he's always been a 0.9 or better type guy. Um, and last mm. year was easily his worst uh, PPM of his career. Um, like just filtering for 40-plus minute games, his PPM was 0.83, which is comfortably his lowest by uh, almost 0.1. Um, so, yeah, I think you can make the case here that we're going to see some improvement from Totola with a full preseason, no injury, hopefully, um, pumping out 45 to 50 minutes each week, which is, seems to be his normal go. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot to like here. Yeah, I actually did an article. I wrote the Totola article myself, so I'm sort of I had a bit of a look um, there. So PPM zero point eight two last season, all up, uh, which was the worst since his rookie year. Um, but the big issue was uh, in sixty percent of his games last year, he didn't register a single attacking stat. Hmm. 
that was the you know that was the big one. So, for example, uh, in twenty twenty two, he played uh, twenty two games and nineteen of twenty twenty two. Sorry, nineteen games out of twenty two in twenty twenty two. He had attacking stats. So there's only three where he didn't. Whereas he played seven less matches last year and had double the amount of games with no attacking stats. So he obviously was off his game a little bit. A lot of it was, um, I think it was, you know, tackle bus and offloads, basically. So he only offloaded the ball one time in 14 games, no tries, no turnover tackles, and uh, a tackle bust rate that looked a lot like Jake Trebojevic's. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a good description. I was just looking at it. And like, yeah, yeah, it's shock spot on. It's, I was trying to find another player with a tackle bust rate that was as bad, and and Trebojevic's was worse, but it was pretty it was pretty shameful. So I think um, absolute worst case scenario, you've got a guy who plays about forty five minutes and averages in the very low forties. That's the the worst case for me, but I think probably the upside is somewhere in the forty seven to forty eight average. Uh, which would be, you know, 13 points of value. So I think more if you meet in the middle, he's probably 8 to 10 points of value, which is pretty good at that price uh, given he's, you know, he's not going to play Origin. I think they've got a pretty friendly buy schedule, um, you know, sort of an innocuous one through the middle, uh, and then he's available uh, when, when you need him. So I, I'm just going to... Just confirm exactly when that is. So he's, yeah, so he's not available in 13, but he will be available in 14, 16, 19, and 20, assuming that you're holding him that long. But I think worst case scenario, he's a, you know, he's a pretty good option there. So, um, yeah, I, I'm a fan. He's been my team. He's been there for a while. Have you have you got Totola in your team at the moment? Uh, yeah, no, currently I do. Um, I think he was one that I was keen to buy last year and it just sort of never came to fruition. So, yeah, to get him in yep. the team this year would be would be good and hopefully uh, he uh, confirms that, that bias um, with a nice trial performance in the coming weeks. That'd be, that'd be superb. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, Murray's another one that we did look at. Obviously, we were pretty hot on Murray last year and he came out of the blocks really good, actually, only... So he started the season, I think it was the first five or six games, he had more total points than what Cleary did because Cleary had a buy and Murray didn't. And he was only averaging one point per game less than Cleary up until the point where Cleary did the 100-point week and then Murray fell off a cliff. But to start the year, our starting Murray strategy worked. Uh, So it's another one here where, you know, so last year I think a lot of people are forgetting this. Obviously, okay, Taking two steps back, Payne Haas is 40-something percent owned, which we'll obviously discuss when we get to the Broncos episode. But a lot of people are forgetting that Payne Haas actually was priced at like 54 last year, and that's why, you know, he would have been such a good value, whereas this year he's priced in the 60s. And, you know, we're, we're we're always looking for an underpriced gun more than we're looking for a guy who's coming off his career best season from a PPM perspective, like Murray was last year and Haas is now this year. So, Ryan, I guess the larger question is, a 70-plus minute Cameron Murray, you know, he's spending a little bit of time on the edge, price at 57, uh, you know, his career average would say he's going to play, you know, let's say a 65-plus minute role. 
um, you know, there could actually be a little bit of value there into the low 60s. I mean, look, Murray's always been a fantastic player. Um, the the question mark is just going to be how is he going to be used? Um, if, if, like if he's, say, uh, 50 minute middle and 15 on an edge, well, geez, then you can put him in the bin. But if uh, the edge is, you know, spending 20 minutes on an edge is going to allow him to push up into the 70 to 80 minute range, then, uh, I mean, there there is going to be a little bit of value here. Um, there's a chance he could be priced right on the money, depending on how many minutes he's playing on an edge. Um, mm. Yeah, it, I don't know. He's not one I've, I've had in my side this year, oh, so far anyway. Um, we'll see what happens as the preseason goes on. But, yeah, I mean, look, if, if he's if he can get back to 2022 form where he's, where, where he's consistently playing those big minutes, then, yeah, certainly there is uh, some upside to be had here. But, um yeah, I think what scares people off is like sometimes he has those games where he, you know, plays fifty nine minutes or sixty one or, yeah, it, it can be a little bit up and down um, sometimes with how they use him. Yeah, I mean, just looking at the last three years in the games where he plays at least sixty five minutes, he averaged sixty seven point seven in twenty twenty one, seventy point eight in 2022 and 63.1 last year. And that was 13 performances and 14 performances in 2022. So if you just look at the last two years where he plays at least 65 minutes, uh, there's a 27 game sample there. uh, Oh, sorry. 25 game sample there uh, where he averages like 67 plus or something like that. So that would be 10 points of value. Now, obviously we're not expecting him to play. That was in 73 to 75 minutes roughly. Uh, and, you know, 0.9 ppm, which is pretty strong for that level of minutes. So, I mean, as you say, if if it looks like he's just going to be out there, like if we get some sort of chat saying, oh, you know, we really want Murray to be on the field 80 minutes most weeks or something like that, if we get any sort of quote like that, uh, I think we'd be, you know, be wheels up for Murray and he'd be a really good vice-captaincy at the price uh, in a tough mid position. But, I mean, the, obviously a hard point of that is if you're starting to toll like Ian Murray – come round seven, you're going to need two mids. And, you know, mid is a bit of a light-on position in terms of the number of mids. Uh, so that that's probably one to keep an eye on. And maybe it's a case of one or the other rather than both. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you there. Um, with that sort of early buy, it's, it's, it is a bit awkward. Um, like you'd almost need to be looking to upgrade to Tola by that point. Like hoping he's made his cash by the first six weeks. If you if you're running with mm. both of them, um, yeah, it's it's a bit of a headache. Yep, agreed. Um, all right, uh, that's probably enough for there. Now, um, Tungi, obviously changing edges. He's going to be out on that lethal left edge now, uh, which could be a little bit of fun potentially because I mean he does have an attacking stat in him occasionally, and he seems to be one of those sort of streaky players. Unfortunately, lost his uh, mid-duel that he had. I don't know if it was last year or, or just previously, but, I mean, he at 48, you know, maybe some attacking upside there, but, you know, given once again, given the volume of edges, is probably not somebody we need to bother with. Yeah, I think you said it yourself there. Just uh, probably not worth the risk at the price point with so many other options out there. Yep. Uh, and then, you know, obviously, uh, you know, 
Jacob Host and Michael Cheekham, happy to let them go through the keeper. <laughs> Same with Jai Arrow. Uh, had some questions about Jai Arrow. He's always been a pretty like solid draft option with the duel, but not really somebody for classic. The bench is going to be some sort of combination of Burgess, Kepi, you know, probably uh, Talos Duncan. And um, I guess the only other one here to talk about is Damien Cook, who was just absolutely, by his standards, atrocious last year. Uh, and, you know, it was sort of uh, systemic of the uh, the hooker position as a whole. And, I mean, at any other year, Damien Cook priced at 56 uh, would be a, an absolute screaming buy. But, I mean, he's between origin and, you know, him sort of getting older and heavily being fit, maybe, you know, not not somebody to consider? Yeah, we'd, we'd really have to see uh, a, a change and, again, of the, what we've seen most recently from the hooker position um, of it being more of a mid-50s to low-60s position compared to what it had been in years prior where you know, people were pushing high 60s, mm. um, some, you know, for stretches of games like Cook and Grant at their peak of, at the peak of their powers. Um, and Faz. Oh, of course. How could I forget? <laughs> and, yeah, obviously the GOAT, Cam. Um, yeah, I, we've, we've discussed some other hooker options in previous podcasts, like, you know, Robson, Marshall King, Braley, um, you know, who were 100 to 200K less expensive. Um, yeah. We discussed on the Knights podcast as well about the emergence of potentially a Joey Lusick or, or a Brendan Hands as well. It's... Yeah, it's it's one of those ones where I'm not sure I want to be going there to start the year, and it's it's also possible that he's not an 80 minute hooker week in week out at this yeah, stage of his career no. anyway. Exactly. Mm. Um, yeah, I suppose that's probably it. Well said. Nothing more to nothing more to say. So obviously, uh, yeah, pretty consolidated team here between Murray and Tatola and and Munro. Uh, but you know some options there for uh, for consideration moving into the trials. Yeah, for sure. And you know if we see something from Campbell Graham, maybe that's the way you want to go. If Jack Wine can get his suspension uh, <laughs> dusted, that'd be nice. Modif- modified. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, of course, Latrell he's a he's a stud, but you know he's got a sin bin in him. He's got an injury in him. Um, I, I think uh, it was a few weeks ago I was discussing like. Ponga versus Latrell with, um, I think it was Stu uh, in, in our chat. And, like, Latrell's really not played that many more games than Ponga over the last couple of years, despite Ponga having this tag of um, missing a lot of games. Um, Latrell's yeah. missed his own fair share. Obviously, suspension plays a part of, in his missing as well compared to Ponga. But, yeah, still. Yep. Yeah, no, just it's the it's the work rate. I think is the only thing that separates them too. If if Latrell decided that he wanted to be the best player in the NRL, he could. Mm. Uh, but I just don't think he's got that in his personality. He doesn't have the mumba mentality. No, he could be GI tomorrow if he wanted to. Oh yeah, and the rest, like yeah. just yeah, even just the ball skills, the kicking. You know, like he could be, he could hundred percent be the best player in the NRL if he really wanted to be, but. You know, being the 10th best player in the NRL is still gets you paid a million dollars a year. So what's the point <laughs> is probably, I'm assuming, is the the mentality. Um, I don't know. One day maybe he'll grow up and, and decide he wants to, to break records. And when he does, then he'll break them. So. Maybe this is the year. Yeah. Come on, Latrell. Oh, come on, come on. 
Can't, mate. Can't. All right. No worries. Good job. All correct advice as usual, Ryan. Good job. Thank you, mate. Cheers. Thank- <laughs> no worries. Thanks, Thanks for g- joining us all, listeners, and um, from everybody here at the Amateurs. We'll see you next time where we're going to do the Mighty Waz. Up the Waz. <laughs> Love you guys. This show was brought to you by good friends at Picklebet. You can support the show by changing your regular bookmaking provider to Picklebet and using the code AMATURES on your first deposit to let them know where we found you. Make sure to set a deposit limit because chances are you're about to lose. For free and confidential support, call 1-800-858-858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au.